All right, High Desert Word Center, good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? Amen. You picked a fantastic day to be in the house of the Lord. And of course, every day is a good day to be in the house of the Lord. But we are going to have a great time today studying the word, singing praises to our Savior. Amen. And loving on each other. Let's go ahead and stand up today. We are going to do as we always do and speak some words of faith over the United States of America. Because, hey, we live here. And we declare that America is coming to Jesus no matter what it looks like. Amen. So let's go ahead and speak these words together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated. You may be seated. Now, uh, of course, we've kind of paused our meet and greet for a little bit, but it's coming back soon, okay? And uh, and again, my offer still stands. If you need a hug, I'm here. And I've offered that for four weeks, and out of hundreds of people, only one person that took me up was Dave McNeil. He gave me a hug last week, and so I was like, that's my, that's my guy. Now, he can't help with that. He has about just about the best name that a man could have. But anyway, that's beside the point. All right. Praise God. Well, let's get into some announcements here today. We got a lot going on. I was looking at the calendar. I'm like, wow. I thought January passed and we were going to get a little slowdown, but we got a lot going on. So that's good news, right? It gives you a chance to get connected with your fellow believers and church family and, uh, and just get stronger and stronger in your faith. How many people came to the Marrieds event on Friday night? Wow, man, that was phenomenal. Lots and lots of couples, and we're just celebrating the godly marriages here at High Desert Word Center. But here's a few things coming up. This Friday night at 6.30 is the women's meeting. So ladies, where are you at? All right. Now, Pastor Katie, my wife, is going to be uh, doing the lesson this time and all that stuff. And I think they're bringing, uh, uh, if you could bring sandwiches, veggies, or fruit trays, stuff like that, you know, light foods, then that's good for you. You ladies do that. At our men's meeting Saturday, we had a big bucket of gravy. We had scrambled eggs. I mean, I'm still full. You know, it was good stuff. But praise God. But ladies, that's Friday night. And then Thursday, February 17th, we're doing our servant leadership night. Amen. That's going to be um, a monthly thing uh, on the third Thursday of every month. And it's really a chance for you to, to, first of all, grow in your leadership capacity. We'll be doing some leadership teaching and also to get more involved in church and, uh, and, and help plan some of the upcoming stuff we got going on. So it's a great chance. The next thing coming up on the calendar is the Seventh Day Slumber Concert. Who's going? That's going to be on Saturday, February 19th, 6 p.m. at Barstow College. And uh, High Desert Word Center is co-sponsoring the event with some other churches and Paul Wilkie's State Farm. And he's my State Farm agent. And I just got to give a plug. The man is really, really good at what he does. All right, there you go. He didn't pay me for that. That was just a little extra. All right. 
but you got to get a ticket. It is free, but there's the link for the tickets on there, and uh, you have to have a ticket to get in. All right. Now, here's my next thing. We have baptisms coming up, hey? Eh? Baptisms, all right? And so I'm going to pass this sign-up sheet around. If you've never been baptized, it's really a... a, a Jesus, uh, he told us to do it for one, and Jesus himself got baptized. You don't have to be baptized to go to heaven, but it is a very powerful thing that uh, that the Bible teaches us, and we want to do that for you. So if you've never been baptized, let's do this, all right? And also, um, maybe you were baptized as a child, and you're like, well, I just, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't even have any say-so in it. We come across that a lot, and you're like, you know what? I'm an adult now, and I understand it, and I want to do this for myself. Then go ahead and sign up, and we'll do it all over again, amen? But it's a powerful moment for you. All right, the next event I got going on is uh, the Young Adults Group is going to be meeting, all right, on Friday, March 4th, yes. And so that's going to be, um, that's for ages 18 to 30, you know, and so maybe you're like, well, I'm 60, but I identify as a 30-year-old. We love you, but that's just not for you, okay? You know, come on now. <laughs> hey, we'll do something for you someday, but uh, but anyway, Young Adults, I can tell I just ruffled some feathers, all right? Hey. We got you, all right? We're coming at you. Uh, but Friday, March 4th at 6.30, and Pastor Katie's going to be leading that one also. And uh, it may be at our house. I don't know. We may do a get-together at our house, so it's going to be cool. All right? And now here's a big announcement. You guys ready? Big announcement. Here it comes. We are doing an intentional parenting class. Parenting class. Now, as you can tell, our theme for the whole year and for the whole rest of our lives here is focusing on families. And uh, and what I'm so excited about this, it's going to be a five-week class uh, of one hour a week uh, starting on Sunday, March 6th. It'll go from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Child care is provided. Uh, but the cost of the class is $25. That gives you the workbook and helps you to follow along. But we are super, super excited about this because uh, is there any parents in here that you totally know all the way what you're doing and you've just done it perfectly so far? Okay, good. All right, very good. So you need this class, and it is going to be life-changing. And I'm, I'm excited about it myself, man, uh, because, hey, I want to learn all that I can learn to be the best dad that I can be. And, and I want to be the best parent that I can be. So anyway, this is coming up. I meant to have a sign-out sheet this morning, but we're going to get that going. And, um, and I believe after we get it going, you can pay back at the bookstore, and we're going to get these uh, – get, get, get you signed up for it, all right? Very, very good. Well, my final thing is this. Uh, do we have anybody with us today that this is your first time with us or maybe your first time in a long time? We want to welcome you and say hello and introduce ourselves. If you could slip your hand up real quick, we want to make you feel welcome. Anybody? All right. Very good. This is Sabrina. She's part of our welcome team. Amen. She's got some... Uh, some info cards uh, from the church for you. If you can fill that little card out, she'll grab it from you after service, and she's got a free gift for you, all right? She's going to give you something to bless you. Very good. All right. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes, it is happy time. You're like, well, what's that? Hey, God loves a cheerful giver, so we get happy when we get a chance to give back to the Lord. Amen. So if you uh, need an envelope, the ushers are up here. Raise your hand and they'll get one over to you. Amen. Glory to God. 
Hey, man, I'm looking at the first time in a long time that I see Dennis Copey. I see Veronica. Veronica, welcome back. Good to see you all and everybody else. Oh, hallelujah. How many believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life? Amen. Well, uh, as you're getting your envelopes and everything like that, open up to 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. And thank you, Dylan. Boy, I tell you what, Dylan, I miss you when you're not here. I know I'd, you're probably watching this online. A lot of times you're not here. We don't get anybody excited. I say, Dylan, if you're at home, get excited for me. Because <laughs> Dylan's our main cheerleader about the Word of God. But Second Chronicles 16.9, and uh, you know, people don't really realize how much God looks at your tithe to be connected with your life and how much he can do for you because of your tithe. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And you know, for myself, for the last several months, I see verse after verse after verse after verse how the Lord's watching everything in my life. Everything. As a matter of fact, he gave me a word, I think back in December, and I gave it to this church on a Sunday morning. I was sitting there, and he spoke to me and said, Big Brother's watching you. And I thought, Big Brother? And the Bible says that Jesus is our elder brother. He's my big brother. He said, big brother's watching you. He said, he's not watching you to try to catch you. He's watching you to help you. If the devil tries to trap you, said, your big brother's watching everything you do. He wants to help you get out of the traps. He wants to stop you from doing wrong. So I praise God, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. And I'm going to make sure I stay in position so he can help me when I need help. Amen. And and, and help me not to step into the traps and the snares. And if something happens, I get into one. He's right there to help me get out of it. But here's the, here's the condition on this. Run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. To show himself strong to everybody, no matter how they live. That's not what he said. To show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. And that perfect there, if you got a... Hebrew thing in the middle of your Bible tells things that that word perfect doesn't mean you never make mistakes. It says whose hearts are loyal. It says whose hearts are fully committed to him. And how many know that even if you're loyal, fully committed, sometimes you miss it. But he said he wants to show himself strong if you're loyal to him. And when I was looking at this for myself, I've been looking at this verse every, every day lately. I got to thinking about the offering this morning. And so I want to read you something that I preached the last Wednesday of last year, closing out the year. I wrote this down, and I look at this about every day because, you know, when the preacher preaches, a lot of times the first one he's preaching to is himself. And this one here really, really, really has struck me to the core and got my attention for the whole for my whole life. But I, 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 I gave this to you. For your life in 2022 and beyond, to try to live this way. And so here's what I told the people on that Wednesday night about 2022 to make it their focus. Number one, you know, people set New Year's resolutions, resolutions. They make goals. And I said, this is my goal 
And this is what ought to be your goal. Number one, stay saved. Live like you're a Christian every day in every situation. Live like you're a Christian every day, every day. Number two, stay faithful in church attendance every month. Stay faithful. Mrs. Pastor said, why don't you stay, stay, stay faithful in every service? I said, because people have life to do sometimes. They have things to do, family events. They got to do things. They get sidetracked, got to do things. Doesn't mean they're backslid, just means they got busy. But if it's your habit, you're going to stay faithful. If something happens where you have to miss two or three services, get right back in. Make that your goal for this year. You're not going to have a three-month vacation from God. Amen. Stay faithful in church. Stay faithful in what Jesus has gifted and called you to do in church and the secular world. You know, we're not just people that were just Christians in church. We're gifted by God out in the world to do things well with excellence and people watch us. And when we walk in the gift of God for what he's given us, then we're going to catch people's attention and help them. So stay faithful in that. Stay faithful with tithes and offerings. Be quick to repent if you sin or begin to backslide. I want to say that again because I've seen more Christians fall out of favor of God over that than any other one. They lose a little ground, they start backing off, and they quit. And then they wait, sometimes for a year or two, till they really, really, really get knocked down and knocked out. And then all of a sudden they come to their senses and say, whoa, I could get back to God. Well, as soon as you see it happening and you recognize, man, I'm backing off, quickly run back. Don't wait. Amen. And then also, be quick to forgive others that have wronged you. Don't hold grudges. Be quick. Even if somebody else is in the wrong, I, I, made, I made the decision way back at the start of my Christian life when I learned how these things work, that even if somebody else was in the wrong and I saw the things wasn't going right for our relationship, I'd go to them and I'd say, forgive me if I've done something to cause a problem with our relationship. Forgive me if I've wronged you. If you just tell me what it was, I'll make it right. Just show me. Because it's not worth it to have separation between you and loved ones, between you and family. And so Jesus, he didn't do any wrong. He took the hit for me. He took it for you. And so anyway, that's some of the things I say, and that those things line up with having a heart towards God. As he says, he shows himself strong. Amen. And so tithes and offerings is a big part of that. God sees when you're loyal and faithful with that. And matter of fact, I was thinking something on the way to church this morning. You know, this, this is offering time, but everything's changing our lives time. I was thinking about this. One of our requirements in the church to work in a position in the ministry of authority or leadership is that people is lots of other things, but one of them is to be a faithful tither. And the reason that being this, Jesus said, where your, where, where your money is, that shows where your heart is. And so we know there's every position in this church requires anointing. And if you're not hooked up with God with your money, I'm not talking about the church with God. If you're not hooked up there, then you're not going to have much anointing in your life. And so we used to say, when somebody wouldn't be in a position, we'd say this. Well, you've got to start tithing. And so they start tithing for the position, but we decided, wait a minute. That's the wrong reason to tithe so you can work in the church. You can't buy your position. So we've kind of, we've changed that now. We watch the people's lives because we're accountable to God. He says that pastors give an account for your souls. And so we give an account for your souls that we're not nosy, but we answer to God. 
And so if somebody's not tithing already, you might as well forget it. We're not going to say, hey, if you want to play up there, if you want to sing up there, if you want to teach a class, then you can start tithing. It doesn't work that way. God says he shows himself strong somebody that's already loyal. And so, amen. So I'm just, I'm just saying this, that I want God's all in my life. How about you? I'm going to stay law and faithful with everything. And then with that, I want to do something over the tithes and offerings this morning that we need to do as a church together. Everybody stand up. I saw this the other day, and this is a good time to do it. I don't know about you, but I am so tired of seeing people test positive, and they're not really sick, they tested positive. So then their whole family gets pulled out of church, we lose positions in the church, some of them get pulled off their jobs, some get paid, some don't, and I'm just tired of this curse hitting the families of God, because as tithers, God says, I will rebuke the devourer for you. And if you have to stay away from people for five days or whatever it is, your kids have to leave school for five days and all this stuff happens, that's the devourer. And it's not right. And this thing has become alive for me for this marriage thing we did Friday night. Our lady in the church was going to lead all the people in the nursery to take care of all these kids, like had 20 or 25 kids. She got tested positive that day and she wasn't sick. And her teenage daughter was going to help in the nursery and help lead things. So all of a sudden, we're scrambling at the last minute to take care of all these kids. So Pastor Dave and Katie had to leave to take care of them because it tested positive, but nobody's sick. And so I want us to make a public declaration to the devil, the angels of God listening, God listening, and Jesus told us faith works by what we believe in our heart and say with our mouth. So I want to make a public declaration. And again, we don't take COVID lightly. We know how bad that thing started out and still people get hit pretty bad. But what we've seen for the last several months is Omicron. People basically have a cold. But it's not right. It's not right because you tested positive to miss out on your paycheck. Amen? And miss out on those things. So let's just say this together. And if you believe this with me, to say it with me in faith, just say this. Say, Satan... In the name of Jesus, I forbid you for causing these positive tests and things to come on me or my family or my church or my co-workers. In Jesus' name, you are a rebuked devourer. You're not stealing from this church, these families, this income anymore. You're off limits. If the world wants you, that's their business. We're in the world. We're not of the world. Our life is hid in Christ. We're Christians. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. We have a covenant with Almighty God. And now close your eyes and raise your hands to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you as Christians, as tithers, We have a better covenant than the old covenant. Has better promises. And Lord, you told us what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So we bind those things in Jesus' name. And we loose the anointing and the blessing of God on our family, on our church, on our jobs on our city, in Jesus' name.
And we praise you for that, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Let's let that be our faith confession for today instead of going into the other one and just bring your tithes and offers up here and be thanking him for that. And in Jesus' name, that's the end of those positive tests. Amen. You can bring your tithes and offerings up. Amen. Feel free to join us at the altar with uh, words of worship today. After you drop off your offering, just join us up here, or you can sing from your seats, but we're going to worship the Lord together today. Arise, my soul, remember this. He took my sin, and he buried it no longer I who live. Now Jesus lives in me. See the light. No, I won't boast, but in the cross and save my soul, all else is lost. The grip of fear has no hope. lives in me, for I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. Oh, all of this for your glory. in me for I was 
Thank you 
I want to thank you for your holy written word. I want to thank you for our Lord and Savior, our healer, our strength, our Holy Ghost baptizer, our supplier, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to thank you that Jesus is our all in all. He's the answer for everything we'll ever need, Lord. I want to thank you for that. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives in our hearts, that gives us life, that gives us anointing, that causes your word to come alive in us, that causes us to sense the presence of Jesus more strongly every day. And Lord, thank you today that every one of us is going to leave here not the same but changed for the better in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Today's communion Sunday, but I want to put some real faith in your hearts before we receive communion today, because a lot of you need, you need help from Jesus, and especially in the healing arena, you need it. And so I want to take just a just a short while to cause communion to become alive to you, maybe in a way it never has, because uh, life is so dangerous right now. We just came back from the Holy Spirit Conference with Dr. Barclay down in, down in Vista, California. And Dr. Barclay taught about spiritual warfare all week long. It was so good. He made a statement one day that when he talks, he says a lot of things. And i tell you what, I got my notebook out and I'm writing because, you know, a guy like Dr. Barclay, a man like Dr. Barclay, can say more things by accident than what most preachers say on purpose. No, that's true. When, he's loaded, when you're loaded like he is with the wisdom of God, the word of God, the power of God, the experience of life he's had, man, you just want to sit at his feet and just hear what he's got to say. He made a statement one day that I knew that the way he said it become more real is something like this about this war zone we live in. Every square inch of the earth is a war zone right now. Spiritual warfare. Satan has declared war on the human race. And just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're immune. Christians can either be like the world and just go ahead in a slumber, just ignore what's going on, and just think that's the way it is. Our Christians, and there's so many verses we can give, but I'm not up here, Pastor Dave's going to preach in a minute. I'm not up here to do the preaching on that. Or we can wake up, let the Bible become real to us, and do what the Word of God tells us to do in every area of life. And we can actively participate in the war. You're in it anyway. But if you if you don't want to be a prisoner of war, if you don't want to be captive, you might as well start putting up some resistance and become proactive, start doing some attacking yourself. And we know that the Bible does tell us in Ephesians chapter 6 that the Word of God is our sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is our shield of faith. And so we might as well start using some things. After all this different sicknesses and everything going around today, communion is very, very real for getting freed from that. And I want to tell you something about communion. I was thinking about this was worship of the Lord. I was looking at some things. There's some ordinances of the church the New Testament spells out and gives us. How many know what water baptism is? Well, there's no difference in that water than going down the swimming pool. Water is water. But the thing is, when you go down to that water as a born again, I'm pointing up there because we've got a baptism behind that wall there in case you didn't know it. When you go down to that water in faith as a born again Christian, 
you're believing for the supernatural blessing of God on your life to bring it to manifestation on the outside in your life what happened on the inside. When you got born again, that was inside. Nobody could see the heart. When you get in that water I get baptized in the name of Jesus, you're believing you come in there that God's going to do something in your life that's going to start showing up more and more on the outside what took place on the inside. The water wasn't magic. It's water. But God said, through Jesus, be baptized. Amen. So that becomes supernatural. And how many have hands? Okay. The world has hands. And the world can give you a high five with that hand. They can pat you on the back and say, good job. But Jesus said, believers lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus. And they're not just hands anymore. They're supernatural hands. And so it's a supernatural thing when a believer in faith lays hands on the sick in the name of Jesus. Those hands changed. Okay, communion. We're, to, we're, we're going we're to drink some juice today. We're getting a little cracker wafer, whatever you want to call that thing. And most people eat bread every day and drink something every day. And all it is is stuff that helps your physical body. But if we know what a couple of verses I'm going to read to you here out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 about communion, and you take this communion in faith, it's supernatural. And I was thinking that when I started seeking Jesus back in 1979, at a, at a denominational church. I, I knew it was time for me to get right with God. I started going to this church. But as a kid, I went to the Baptist church, and I knew that communion was real. I knew what it was. And, but this church I went to, when I started going to this church, it was a neighborhood church, to check it out. One of the head choir guys up there was my drinking buddy a few months ago when I lived in the world, but he'd been going to that church. I never knew the guy ever went to church. He wasn't saved. But he had a position of prominence in that church there, and they took communion every Sunday. I went up, I went up to the pastor at the end of the service and said I want to get right with God. He didn't know how to tell me to get right with God. He's the pastor. But they took communion every Sunday. I went there five Sundays in December of 1979. They took communion. And because of my Baptist upbringing as a boy, they come past me and try to get me to take it. I said, no, I can't take that. I said, I said, I'm not a Christian. And so I'd pass it up. Five Sundays in a row, I passed up communion because in my heart of hearts, I knew this is wrong. That I've got, I've got to be right with God if I'm going to take communion. So I passed it up. And then after I got born again in January, and then I began to sit under the Word of God and find out some things, I learned some things. And so in case you don't know this, I'm going to show you 1 Corinthians 11. Let this change your life forever about what you see in communion. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I want you to look at this, verse 29 and verse 30, and I'll just briefly explain this to you. It's talking about a communion time, this passage is. It says, he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, talk about an unworthy manner, talk about the communion, talk about the wafer, talk about taking the juice, eateth and drinketh damnation, judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And verse 30 I taught healing school for a lot of years back in Indiana, teaching divine healing, administering divine healing to people has been my specialty from God for 42 years. So divine healing is something I'm not a novice in. What was it? David said about Pastor David said about a few months ago. What did you say I was? PhD. 
Ph.D. in healing. This, this is especially for me. But look at this. And if you're a Christian that has an open heart and an open mind about the Bible, you'll see what he's saying here. It says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Many die before their time. said there's a cause that many are weak and sickly among, sickly among you. There's a cause, not the only cause, but among you, he didn't say in the world. The world gets sick, and the world dies before their time because they're not walking in a relationship with Jesus. They don't know anything about faith. They know nothing about healing, about the blood of Jesus, about the resurrection. They know nothing. The world's out there on their own. That's why we preach the gospel to every creature and try to get people in the family of God. But the Apostle Paul talking to you, because we're among you right now, he said, for the ones in church, there's a reason. And I like what Brother Hagin always said. He said, there's one reason the world gets sick and dies young. There's another reason in the church. Because we've got stuff that they don't have. We want them to have it. It's not a secret. We want them to have it. But this is talking to Christians right now with all the stupid stuff going on in the atmosphere about sickness and all those kind of things. Matter of fact, I was having a conversation with Chuck yesterday at the men's meeting, and I was talking about several of the people I've seen back in my experience in Indiana and in California, Christians that walked away from God, walked in rebellion against God's people that I've seen die since I've been in California. I've been to several funerals in California at people that violated what he's saying right here, and I knew why they died before their time because I know the Word of God. And I knew why they could never receive healing because I know the Word of God. So he says right here, for this cause, may are weak and sickly. What's the cause? Verse 29. It says that they drank that nation to themselves, not discerning the Lord's body. I'm not just a preacher. I'm a Bible teacher. And right there, he tells you the cause. They don't discern the Lord's body. To discern means to see. The Lord's body has two implications. Number one, there was a physical body of Jesus Christ when he's on the earth. That was his body. That was the body of Christ. The only body was that physical body he lived in. And when he went to get crucified, they put stripes on his back. They beat him with 39 stripes. And those 39 stripes, the Bible tells in multiple places, by his stripes we were healed. By his stripes ye are healed. He said, for this cause many are weak and sickly because they don't see the Lord's body. You need to sit under the word of God on healing, read books on healing, sit under a church like this that teaches healing, you'll begin to see then. Well, this is not right. This shouldn't be on me. By his stripes, I was healed. You see the Lord's body. You begin to see not only was he crucified, but he took stripes so you could be healed. And then you'll get to the place where you quit trying to get healed. You'll shift to where you think, God, you are healed because you're just as healed as you are saved. Amen. He took your sins, took your sickness. And so he said, for this cause, many Christians, because they don't know that healing belongs to them. He said, this is the reason many Christians, not all, but many Christians stay sick and they die before their time because they don't see that God paid the price for them to live long, live long and live strong. And then number two on the Lord's body, New Testament teaches over and over and over again, we are the body of Christ and members in particular. I look at Dave. Dave's part of the body. I'm part of the body. Look at Melissa. Look at Chris. We're all part of the body of Christ. And if you don't treat the body of Christ right for many cause, 
For this cause, many are weak and sickly. Why? Because they don't love the brethren. And so, as a man that's walked in this for a lot of years, seen a lot of cases, seen some people come out of things, some people just lose it, it's because of right here, many, 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 many Christians never receive healing because they don't know what belongs to them. Had, had, a, had, had some people come here a while back. Man had a death sentence on him with a diagnosis. I talked to him and his wife up here. They, they just visited a lot of churches and did a lot of things and told me, well, we'll be back next week. We're going to go to this other church. Well, I know that other church that they don't teach healing. They don't know about it. They don't teach it. I said, well, I can't tell you what to do. But as a man of God, I'm going to tell you this. If my husband were diagnosed with what your husband diagnosed with, I wouldn't go for social reasons. I'd come to a church like this where they teach the Word of God because without God's help, your husband's not going to make it. And so you need to sit under the Word of God and at the same time, you got to recognize, and this is for husbands and wives, husbands and wives too, that husband, you better know that lady you're married to is God's daughter before she's your wife. You better treat his daughter right. She's part of the body of Christ. And lady, you better you better recognize that man you're married to is God's son. And if you're going to treat God's son like a dog, there comes a point in time when God says, that's enough. And then also, you parents for your children that are of age and teenagers and stuff like that, that are born again Christians that aren't perfect yet, you better recognize those are God's kids first. You just got them for a while. You better treat your kids right. And so I just leave it at this. He said, for this cause, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look at verses like this series. For this cause, you know, a lot of people say, well, I don't understand that. I wonder, wonder what caused that. Well, the Bible says for this cause. So that answers a lot of questions a lot of times when it comes to things. I want to say it again. He didn't say this is the only reason Christians are sick. We said this is one of the main reasons that many are sick. Amen. Well, let's stand up and you can, Come up and uh, get the elements, and then we'll take communion together. But let's just believe. You can start coming up and getting your stuff. Let's just believe as we take it today, when we look at the part about judging ourselves, we'll take a look. We'll take a look at ourselves. I got mine already. We'll take a look at ourselves. And if there's any changes you need to make, make the changes, make the adjustments. And, you know, I would just really... Uh, we got such a wonderful bookstore. I would, I would go to our bookstore if you're dealing with sickness and things, don't understand it. Go back, start buying some of those books out of the bookstore. That's how I learned most of what I've learned was out of those books. Get those books and study healing scriptures and then see that by Jesus' stripes you were healed.
In this same passage of 1 Corinthians 11, he says in communion time we're supposed to examine ourselves. And then also he says to judge ourselves. And so what that means is this, at communion time, like water baptism is supernatural, and you're expecting when you go in that water coming out that something changed by God. And if you had hands laid on you, you're expecting healing to be there because God's the one that said that. Well, here he said if we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. What that means is this, this is not just something natural we're doing. This is supernatural when we do it in faith. So when you close your eyes, this is a time for a special visitation from the Holy Spirit. And if there's things you see that you've struggled with for a long time, and they've had a hold on you, holding you back, this time say, Lord, help me. I judge myself, Lord. I've given place to that sin or that wrongdoing. Or, Lord, I have really been lazy about studying your word and learning about divine healing. Lord, I know I hear these guys talk about it all the time. But Jesus, I can't quote one healing verse. And I want to start learning some verses on healing, Lord. I want help because I want to see for myself those stripes on your body. Lord, I know that I've been a bear towards my wife. Or, Lord, I haven't really honored my husband like I'm supposed to. Or whatever else it is, any other relationship. Somebody you work with on your job, you haven't been nice to them. And they're a fellow brother or sister of the Lord. He said, this caused many or weak and sickly. So when you close your eyes and, and have just a minute of prayer with the Lord, if there's anything going on he wants you to change, you'll know it. You don't have to search for it. He'll tell you because it's supernatural. If he doesn't tell you anything, you don't see anything, just be thanking him, Lord, I want to thank you. I'm a Christian. I'm in your body. I want to thank you, Lord, that I'm hungry to grow and I want to grow. I want to be a better Christian. Thank you, Jesus. But that's what this is. He says that's one of the things about communion. Examine and judge and then receive and you're blessed. Amen. So let's just do that for just a minute. you jesus you're so good mercy endures forever amen and you know this ties right in with our offering scripture second Chronicles 69 he shows himself strong in behalf of them whose hearts are fully committed to him and as you yield your heart to him at this communion time i know there were people i don't by the spirit there were people that made adjustments and the lord is calling causing healing to come to your body right now because right now when you opened your heart up to him that he opened up his healing to you because he wanted you to make that adjustment. Because you made that adjustment, you're going to see a difference this week in what you're believing him for. 
And it came to pass because communion is a supernatural type of visitation from Jesus. And you got it today. Amen. Well, let's, let's, let's do this together. Paul said that uh, what I've received from the Lord, I delivered to you. It says the same night the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Lord, we're always going to remember that not only did you hang on the cross and die for us, but you took those 39 stripes on your back for us so we could be healed. Thank you that your body was broken for us Lord, we receive our healing. And then after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament, my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus, we're always going to remember not only did your blood that was shed wash away our sins and open the door for eternal life, but as Christians, Lord, we know that if we do sin and get in trouble again, we can come to you, ask for forgiveness, and your blood cleanses us all over and makes us fresh again. Father, we thank you for the supernatural through the broken body and the shed blood. We receive it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to sing nothing but the blood of Jesus before we get into the word today. Amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. And we know there is no other way that we could have made it. There's no other way for us to be clean than through your blood. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness. Amen. All right. Well, you may be seated this morning. Praise God. Hey, we've already had church, man. We've just already, we've covered a lot of ground this morning. Amen. But praise God, we're going to get into the word of God today. Now, uh, if you need an outline for the message, I don't, they may have run out. I don't know. I, my, uh, my office lady wasn't here today. So 
good old Pastor Dave had to print the outlines himself and cut them, and I don't think I printed enough. But anyway, if you didn't get one, then hey, uh, raise your hand, and if not, then just follow along the best you can, all right? Uh, we are on part six of our series that we started in January. It's called As For Me And My House, and to kind of backtrack a little bit and give you a really quick recap on all this, um, our focus and our calling and our main target that we're aiming at at High Desert Word Center is to reach uh, the families of our community of Barstow and uh, to bring healing to them. And we truly believe that if we can start changing the marriages, if we can start changing the parenting, if we can start bringing healthy and healed families to Barstow, then hey, we could have a whole new future than what people are saying we've got. Amen. And so that's what our main focus is on. Now, of course, we love anybody and everybody, and we want to do all we can for everybody. But we found out that we'd rather be really awesome at a main target than halfway decent at a hundred different things. You know what I mean? I'd rather be really good at one thing than mediocre at a hundred different things. I want to just really, really be successful for Jesus. And so that's what our main uh, calling is. I was so blessed yesterday at the men's meeting. I mean, so many men came out. It was phenomenal. And all these guys are encouraging each other about their marriages. They're, they're, they're working with each other and building each other up in the ways of God to be a better dad, to be a better husband, to be a better man of God. And I'm thinking, my gosh, this is a dream come true. I mean, you know, sometimes it's, you'll, you'll see like all the ladies come out for the women's meetings and all that stuff. But when you can get a bunch of men together to talk about the Bible and the things of God, you're doing pretty good right there. <laughs> so we are super excited about the direction of the church and all that God's doing. And we really, really, really see a better future uh, for Barstow and our community as we bring some healthy families along. Amen. And so our theme verse for the year, mainly go ahead and throw that on the screen there, is Joshua 24 and verse 15. Joshua 24 and verse 15. And is anybody working on memorizing this a little bit? I mean, it's kind of a well-known verse, but uh, but this is something that I want everybody uh, to get a hold of uh, this year. This is our this is our calling. This is our goal. This is our vision. You got that there, mainly? Are we a little frozen there? It's all good if you don't. Joshua twenty four fifteen. I'm going to go ahead and read it out of the NLT. And our uh, we, what we're memorizing is mainly the New King James. But Joshua twenty four verse fifteen of the NLT it says, "But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve." You got to make a choice. And some people are like, "Hey, I won't serve no one." Yes, you will. You may not realize that you're either serving yourself. Maybe you're serving your money. Maybe you're serving your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You're serving something, but you do have to make the choice. Now, uh, here it is. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether it's the gods which your father served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell now. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Yeah. And so this was Joshua. He was an older man. He was advanced in age. He was at the end of his life. And sometimes it's a good idea to listen to an older godly man. Amen. Now I've seen, uh, you know, 
I've seen some older men that they aren't godly, and so they're pretty foolish. So just because you're old doesn't mean you're wise. (laughs) But if you are a godly man and you're advanced in years, I want to hear what you have to say, brother, because you have experienced some things and you have learned some things. And so here's Joshua, and he says, you have to make a choice. Choose today who you will serve. And I love that because a lot of people are like, I'll make a decision about God someday. I'll get around to it. And Joshua's like, no, you better stop that. You better choose today who you will serve. And we've made our choice. We're going to serve the Lord. And so that's what we're all about right here. Now, one of the big keys to being successful and mature as a Christian is learning to recognize red flags. Have you ever heard someone say, hey, I got red flags about this? Or, dude, I don't, I don't know. I just, I got red flags about this guy over here. Well, we use this term red flags and we all kind of know what it means. It means I've got warning signs about this situation or about this person. And, and you know, in this world, we, we, we hear that phrase, but you need to know as a Christian, the Holy Spirit will give you some red flags on the inside sometimes. Now, if you're mature, you'll listen to those and you're like, you know what, hold on. I don't exactly know why. I just know that we're not going to do that right now. And maybe your kids or your spouse or your friends will say, that's stupid. They may not get it. And that's okay if they don't get it. All I know is that on the inside of me, I feel something bad about this. I've got red flags going off and I have learned in my life to listen to the red flags even if I don't know why it's there. I heard this story about, you know, back in the 1800s in the Midwest, there was a a railroad line and uh, and part of the day uh, it carried people in a passenger train and later on in the day uh, it carried freight in a freight train. Well, one day, uh, the passenger train broke down and stalled on the tracks. And so the conductor, he was smart. He got some mechanics to start working on it. And he sends a flagman up ahead on the tracks because he knows, hey, in a little while, that freight train's coming. We got to stop it. So he sends a guy down there with a red flag. And sure enough, you know, a couple miles up, here comes the the freight train barreling down the tracks. Well, the flagman's, oh, good, good, here he comes. And so he's waving the red flag trying to get his attention and, and all this. And the conductor, he's like, and just keeps on going and ignores him. And then sadly, uh, later on, boom, he collides with the passenger train and just a terrible, deadly accident. So they take this thing to court because, hey, you do that, uh, you mess a bunch of people's lives up, but hey, you've got to pay the price. And so they take him there. They're asking the conductor of the freight train, why didn't you stop? Didn't, didn't you see a, a flag, man? He's like, yeah, I saw him. I, I, I thought it was a yellow flag. I just kept on going. I really wasn't paying that much attention. And I'm like, whoa, how many times in our life there's some sort of warning sign, but we're in, we're in too big a hurry. We're just not paying. The, uh, that, that's kind of weird. There's not usually someone waving a flag there, but I'm just going to keep on going. He thought it was a yellow flag. He didn't realize it was a red flag. And let me tell you, adult people right now, you need to pay attention in life. There's a lot of people, and I've seen it. Just, I mean, you're an adult now, you're a dad, you're a mom, you're a grandma, you're a grandpa. And there's so many people just barreling through life unintentionally. 
They're not living their lives on purpose. They're not really paying attention. They're just going down through life. Whatever happens today, happens today. I don't have an agenda. I don't have a game plan anyway. And there's warning signs here and there. And you're not paying enough attention. And then, boom, a train wreck happens. And you're like, my gosh, God, why didn't you stop this, God? God, why did this happen, God? And he's like, man, I had red flags going off everywhere all around you, but you weren't paying any attention. And I can think of times in my life where maybe some disastrous things have happened, maybe some bad things, and I'm like, man, hey, why did that happen? And I'm asking God, and I'm asking, you know, maybe it's her fault, maybe it's his fault, and then if I were to really focus and really wake up, I could look back and say, you know what? Wait a minute. Hold on. That wasn't God's fault. God's so good that he sent some red flags a month before that ever happened. That's how good my God is. He tried to warn me of the danger, but I was not paying attention. I was just zoning out, a zombie land, going through life, and I missed every warning sign, every red flag that he sent my way. Usually there's multiples. And then, boom, something happened because I did not recognize the red flags. Let me show you something this morning in Proverbs chapter 22. Can we go to Proverbs 22? Amen. And I hope to get your attention today. I believe there's a really solid word for you right here that could change your life. Anybody in here that, hey, you've, you've seen some warning flags, you've seen some red flags about some situations in the past, like you knew it, and, uh, and you just, maybe you listened, maybe you didn't listen, maybe as you get a little bit further on in life, you start to learn and be mature enough to say, you know what, I'm just going to like pause on that, I don't fully get it, but I'm just going to, we're not going to do that, we're not going to go that way, we're not going to, uh, you know, uh, enter into that relationship right there. But Proverbs chapter 22, and this is a powerful verse. And actually, I was just reading this to my kids last night, believe it or not. I'm like, hey, we need to learn this verse right here, Proverbs 22. And we're going to look here at verse 3. And we're in the NLT here. It says, a prudent person, what's that? A wise person foresees danger. What do they do? They take precautions. The simpleton, or I told my kids that means a dummy, so a dummy goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. And I'm like, I want to be a prudent person. I don't want to be some dummy that, you know, God's, hey, stop, don't go that way. Oh, that's weird. I don't usually see somebody waving a flag right there, but I'm going to keep going anyway. No, that's what a dumb person does. Who in here, say this with me. I'm not dumb. Okay. Now, I don't want any liars, so if you, you know, anyway, but I'm just saying if you, <laughs> anyway, all right. So, oh, wow. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice today, I promise. Uh, but as, as I've grown in the Lord, I'm telling you this, I have definitely uh, gotten much better at recognizing the uh, red flags and the warning signs and heeding them. Now, I'll just be honest that a weakness that I've had in my life, though, is getting a red flag about someone and like, yeah, that's, uh, I don't, yeah, uh, I feel kind of weird, but you know what? I really like them. He, you know, he's a cool guy. I mean, we'll just let him, you know, and, 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 and sometimes, hey, I figure out later on why there was a red flag. And, and you guys know too, I really don't like to hurt people's feelings. And so sometimes I'm like, yeah, I know, but I don't want to, I don't want to hurt them. And, and hey, listen to the red flags. Listen when the Holy Spirit's trying to get your attention. 
Now, I want to look at one more verse before we really get into our outline here. And this is John, uh, John chapter 16. John chapter 16, because you need also to be very uh, aware of one of the greatest gifts that you've been given. You have a monumental advantage over the rest of the earth's population. Do you realize that? That as a Christian and as a spirit-filled Christian, you have a huge advantage that the Lord has given you called the Holy Spirit. Now, I've also found out that most Christians do not know much about the Holy Spirit. I'm like, hey, tell me about the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's like, what, the third member of the Trinity, right? Okay. Uh, can she, what else you got? I mean, that's part of it. But what else? What else? And most people, they don't really know. They know God the Father in heaven. They know Jesus the Son. But a lot of them, they don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus put great importance on you knowing the Holy Spirit and receiving him. And in fact, Jesus said in John 16 to his disciples, hey, when I leave, it's going to be a great big advantage to you guys. And they're like, what? How, what could possibly be any better than having Jesus Christ himself right here with us every day? He's like, no, 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 it's your advantage. When I leave, the spirit of truth will come. He'll be in you. He'll be around you. He'll be with you. He'll be your comforter, your counselor, your standby, your advocate, your, your helper. He'll be all these things. And, and so they, they were like, well, okay, we'll have to take your word for it. But look at what Jesus said right here. John 16, beautiful, and verse 13, he says, When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And let me tell you, there's a lot of lies out there today. Have you, have you seen that? Have you heard that? There's a lot of lies, but the spirit will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. Now check this sentence out right here. Boom. He will tell you about the future. As a parent, do you think that it would be quite helpful if the Holy Spirit could tell you things about the future? Now we're not talking about some magic crystal ball. No, that's stupid. That, that's devil. I'm, I'm talking about if the Spirit of God could say, you know what, I've, I've got, keep your kids away from that right there. Or, or, or there's danger up ahead. Just take my word for it. And if you're mature, you'll be like, okay, I get that. And we're not going to go there. We're not going to send them to that party. We're not going to let them go to this concert. Uh, we're not going to, uh, we're going to pull them out of that class. We're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to send them to this school now. We're going to, we're going to, wouldn't that be an advantage? My gosh, you've got this. You need the Holy Spirit. I heard, uh, I heard somebody talk about asking their grandma, grandma, do you need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? And she said, honey, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. <laughs> Listen, hey, this ain't even about going, check it out. You need him every day, all right? Forget just trying to get into heaven. We're trying, we need to, we need him every day of our lives. Amen. So, yes, you need the Holy Spirit. He will bring some red flags to you. And so what we're going to do is look at a, a few ways today that the Holy Spirit will wave that red flag. Now, this isn't only about parenting and marriage. This is every area of your life. 
And I'm telling you, this could be a game changer for some of you because I know, hey, there's some people in here right now. I guarantee it. Out of a room this size with this many people, I guarantee you, some of you in here right now, the Holy Spirit has been waving a flag, flashing a neon sign. He's been speaking to your heart, and you've kind of been ignoring it. Eh, eh, eh. Hey, today could be the day that you choose to obey. You choose to maybe lay down your pride and say, okay, you know what? Or you could just blindly push on through and see what happens. You know, hey, you do reserve that right. You do have that option. But some people in here today, this is specifically for you. And here's a great chance for you to to learn and obey. So a few ways that the Holy Spirit will wave a red flag or get your attention is, number one, through his word. Through his word. And, you know, I mean, we, we drive this point home nearly every single service. You're like, yeah, I could have guessed that one. I saw that coming. Well, hey, I'm going to keep preaching about this until you get it. All right? The Holy Spirit can be absolutely, and in fact, that's what he's doing today. He, the Word of God, I'm getting ready to show you some scriptures. The Holy Spirit's basically jumping up and down in front of you. Listen. Stop. Just listen. He's getting your attention today. Psalm 119, let's go. Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, and really a wonderful, wonderful chapter. And it's all about the Word of God. Psalm 119. Amen. Well, I got quiet up in this place, man. What's going on? Hey, am I at the right place? I said, Psalm 119. Yes. Hey, we get excited about the word. Well, why are you guys so weird and crazy? It's High Desert Word Center, okay? I mean, if it was High Desert Donut Center or something, then hey, you know what? Yeah, we get excited about donuts. <laughs> but we are all about the word of God right here. Psalm 119, and we're talking about ways that the Holy Spirit is going to get your attention and warn you and tell you of the future and tell you about some things. Psalm 119, verse 1, it says, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Well, what's his instructions? It's his word, the Bible. Well, man, I feel like if I were to just do what the Bible's telling me to do right here, I'd feel like I just wouldn't be happy anymore. Hey, if you follow the word, joyful are those, amen, who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws, his word, and search for him with all their hearts. But check out verse 3. They do not compromise with evil. Bible people do not compromise with evil. And the world doesn't get you, they don't like you, they don't believe in what you believe in, and they're trying to bully you into submission. But people of the word, people that love God's word, they do not compromise with evil. And make no mistake about it, evil people do not like you. Evil people do not want you to raise a godly family and, and children that believe God's word over everybody else's opinion. And so check it out. Godly people that love his word, they don't compromise with evil. And check it. They walk only in his paths. Man, what a way to, to live your life. What a way to raise your children. And, and of course, when you follow God's word and instructions, it brings you joy. Why? Because you avoid a lot of trouble and mistakes. 
I mean, there's a lot of stupid things I used to fall for, a lot of uh, ways I, you know, maybe I, I failed or gave in on before. And the more I read the Bible, the less I do those stupid things and the more joyful I am. I like being joyful. I like uh, having uh, God's presence in my life. It's a game changer. It changes everything. And when we obey his word, he will show us the way. Look at verse 24. Verse 24. We're talking about ways the Holy Spirit will get your attention. He'll speak to you through the word, but you've got to actually listen to the word. You've got to actually read the word to get this. Verse 24, David said, your laws, what is his His word? It pleases me. They give me wise advice. Think about that. Some people are like, man, if I just had a mentor, if I could just get so-and-so to mentor me, if I could just get, man, you've got the best mentor. You've got the best wisdom and advice you could ever dream of right here. You've literally got the instruction manual to all of life. But you got to actually read it. And so it says, his word, it gives me wise advice. And do you honestly, honest question here, do you realize how much wise advice is wrapped up in scripture right there? So many of life's answers are straight up spelled out in the Bible. And you're like, well, I'm trying to make a decision here. I I don't know what to do. So, I mean, I, I just threw down a couple of really simple examples here. But hey, you're thinking about dating someone, single people, but uh, she's real good looking, but she's not exactly a Christian. But, you know, I'm willing to overlook that uh, because she's just, she's good looking. (laughs) And so, hey, but what am I going to do about that? Well, the word of God already tells you how to handle that. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says, do not hook up with unbelievers. It says that? Well, it says, be not unequally yoked. They said that in 1611. In 2022, we would say, hey, don't team up. Don't hook up with unbelievers. As a child of God, you've got no business hooking yourself up into a romantic relationship with somebody that doesn't even believe that Jesus is the son of God. Red flag. Red flag. (laughs) Are you willing to drive past that and overlook it? Hey, here, I mean, I had somebody ask me, man, I got somebody that they want me to co-sign on their loan for them, and, and I just don't know what to do. Well, well uh, the Bible straight up says to not co-sign loans. Do you realize that? Proverbs eleven and fifteen, Proverbs twenty-two, verses twenty-six and twenty-seven. Don't co-sign a loan. I think chapter twenty-two says, run from that like a gazelle. So someone comes up, do you mind signing this? I, I'm, I would run from that situation, but I don't know what to do. The Bible already, you don't even have to pray about that. The Bible tells you what to do. I was reading a story to Sam the other night, my five-year-old, one of my favorite Bible stories. I went for the sake of time, we're not going to go there, but uh, it's in 2 Kings chapter 2, and this regards bald people. You know, the, bald, the Bible deals with bald people? The Bible deals with bald people. And so check it out. These kids were making fun of Elisha the prophet. He's walking down the road, and they're like, hey, Baldy, Baldy, Muhammad Baldy, what you doing? And so they were just, they were trash-talking the prophet. And what happens? Uh, Two female bears come out of the woods, and it's a kind of a grotesque story, but bald 42 children. And, uh, (laughs) And so I was telling Sam this story, and he's like, Wow. And so, hey, 
The Bible even tells you how to treat bald people and, and people in general. And so what's my, that, that all sounds silly. That may sound silly to you. But what I'm saying is this is there's some things in scripture that I don't have to spend out. Lord, what would you have me to do? If it's straight up spelled out in the Bible, hey, I don't even have to ask God. Well, I know it says this, but what's your will? My will is that you'd read the book and you'd listen to it. And then you'd have joy. Amen. Verse 105, Psalm 119, verse 105. You, you could read Psalm 119. You could break it down into 10 verses every day. It's a Hebrew poem that goes in really the alphabetical order of the Hebrew alphabet. But Psalm 119, verse 105. Amen. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Check that out. You sometimes are like, man, I just, I just wish I could see what to do. I wish I could see. Well, the Bible is your lamp. It's the headlights to the road in front of you, but it's not going to work for you if you don't ever read it. And so, again, what are we saying here? That the Holy Spirit will guide you. He will show you which way to go. He'll wave you down and try to stop you from getting yourself into danger. And one massive way is he will do it through his word. And there's been a lot of times where I've been in a situation, I don't know what to do. And then, boom, I read my Bible, and there's the verse right there that confirmed in my heart what the Holy Spirit was already saying to me. Amen? All right, the second thing I'm going to say is this. Number two, ways the Holy Spirit will wave the red flag for you. Number two, through our upbringing. Huh? Yeah, through our upbringing. Now, if you weren't raised in a godly home, this may not make much sense to you. But now that you are a Christian, this will definitely affect the way you raise your kids. And, you know, I as I've gone on in this series for six weeks now, I, you know, so many people are talking to me and saying things. And some people came from awesome, you know, strong, healthy families. And, you know, some people did not. And they came from very dysfunctional homes where the mom and dad didn't know how to communicate. Uh, you know, they didn't know how to, uh, you know, really raise their kids uh, in a very godly way. And I mean, just some different things. But I'm going to repeat what I said a few weeks ago, okay? If you didn't come from a godly family, just make sure a godly family comes from you. So, like, well, I, yeah, but my excuse is this, and so I'm going to be a lazy parent. No, no, no. Hey, you know better now, and we're here to help you. Just because you didn't come from a godly home, you can create a godly home right now where you're at with your kids, your grandkids, with your husband, your wife, whatever the situation is, but you can do this. When we've raised our kids according to God's word and Christian morals, they'll be able to see and sense red flags as they go on in life. And, you know, and, and, and I mean, I, I believe this is so valuable that when they're out of your care, hey, we got them for like 18 years, right? Now, in some cases, you know, 30, 35, 40 years, but overall... I said I was going to be nice today. I'm really sorry, everybody. But, uh, but you know, you've got them for a limited amount of time, and then they're on their own. And if you, first of all, raise them in God's word, but then taught them, man, you know, Bible morals, they're going to be able to say that, you know what, you know, your, your, your daughter, she grows up, and she's interested in this guy, and, man, he's a jerk, right? I don't want that for my daughter. 
I want her to be able to say, you know what, that's not how dad treated mom. I don't have to get treated like that. I want her to be able to see the warning flags before something worse happens. And she can just, you know what, that, that's not how I was raised. I don't have to put up with this. Or even, you know, sons, uh, you know, my, my mom said that this is not really what a woman of God acts like. And I'm just, I got to get away from that. But the way that we raise our kids, right, it can help them to discern red flags that are all around them in life. You know, my, I know they're offering me this much money, but I know that it's really not a, a moral way to get this. And, and, and your kids, you want them to grow up and realize that, hey, there's a right way to get money and there's a wrong way to get money. And there are some things that we don't do for money. Right? And so, but we're going to raise them in this way. Let's look at Judges chapter 15, I believe. Judges 15. 16, all right, 16, go to 16, all right? Judges 16, and one thing I'm thinking of here is a guy in the Bible that he had a lot of uh, red flags, and uh, he was raised right. I'm talking about Samson. Now, Samson's parents, they had always wanted to have a son, and so they promised God, if you give us a son, we will dedicate him to you, we will raise him right, and, and he's yours, whatever you need to do. And so they dedicate Samson, and if you're familiar with the story, there was a, you know, a few caveats in it. Uh, they, they could never cut his hair. He couldn't eat grapes. You know, hey, well, I don't get whatever. You know, he couldn't eat grapes. And uh, he couldn't drink wine. He was never to touch wine. And as long as he obeyed these commands, he would have superhuman strength. And so I was just reading through it this morning, man. One time Samson's walking down the road. A lion jumps in front of him. He beats the lion with his bare hands and rips his jaws apart, barehanded. I'm like, whoa, that's incredible, man. What strength. And then uh, another time, the Philistines, the wicked guys, they had been bullying Israel. He goes out and catches 300 foxes. He ties their tails together, uh, two foxes together, and puts a torch in the middle, and he releases them into the Philistine camp, and, and he, they just annihilate and burn the place down. You're like, that sounds crazy. Man, the Bible's so exciting if you'll actually read it. There's some awesome stories in there that Hollywood couldn't make up, but it's real. It's, it's so cool. And so another time the Philistines were attacking and all he finds, he finds a dead donkey laying there. He picks up the jawbone and he starts laying the smack down, right? And he kills a thousand Philistines with one jawbone from a donkey. I'm like, this is incredible. So everywhere Samson goes, he has the hand of God on his life. God is using this boy in a great big way. But Samson had one massive weakness. He had an eye for the ladies. And so it wasn't just that he had an eye for the ladies. He had an eye for the bad ladies, right? It wasn't godly girls he was going after. He wasn't on Christian Mingle. He was on Tinder or whatever. This, I don't know. So he was just going the bad way. And, 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 and so he gets... He gets uh, mixed up with a really bad, bad girl named Delilah. And she was everything that mama said to stay away from. She was just bad news. There was warning flags all over this girl, but he's like, oh, no, 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 no. And so she is recruited by the Philistines, the arch nemesis of Israel, to find out what is the secret to Samson's strength. 
And so she keeps like, tell me what makes you so strong, please. And he's like, I can't. I, I've made an oath to God. I can never tell anybody. And so finally she keeps nagging and nagging. And, and he's like, okay, fine. And so he says, if I were to be tied up with fresh bowstrings, I couldn't get out of them. And so he falls asleep, and she ties him up with these fresh bowstrings. And really, the Philistines are there in the other room. And she says, Samson, the Philistines. He wakes up and breaks the strings right off and just starts beating all these guys up. And she's like, hey, you lied to me. Oh, that would have been a big red flag there when the stinking Philistines came in. And so next, she's like, um, well, you lied to me. Tell me the, the, the secret to your strength. Then he said, okay, if you used brand new ropes, okay, you went straight to Home Depot. They were brand new, never been used, and tied me up. I, I, I couldn't get out of that. And so she lulls him to sleep, ties him up with brand new ropes, and boom, she calls in the, the enemy. They come in. He breaks the ropes off and starts clowning on these guys and beating all of them up. And she's like, you don't love me, do you? If you really loved me, you'd tell me. And and so, again, he goes into it. He's like, well, if you were to weave my hair, uh, that then that would really get it. And so she does that, and boom, again, he just wakes right up and beats all the, the enemy up. So there's three massive signs. This girl is no good. She's trying to take you down. But he keeps ignoring them. Finally... Look what happens. Judges 16, verse 17. Finally, he gives in. And what, I mean, he had every chance to get out of this situation and not even find himself in it. Judges 16 and verse 17. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair's never been cut, he confessed. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he finally told me a secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Ah, he, she sold him out for some money. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair, in this way, she began to bring him down. What a sentence. She began to bring him down. And I think of all of our lives, maybe some of the stuff that we've got mixed in, and it may not just be instant, but somebody that we let into our lives, they began to bring you down. What a, what a phrase right there. And his strength left him. Verse uh, verse uh, 20 here. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I'll do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Oh, my gosh. The Lord left him. So the Philistines captured him. They gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. They turned the man of God, they turned this strong man into a mule, into a donkey. They tied him up, and he walked in circles all day, spinning the wheel, grinding grain like an animal would. What an awful, awful thing. Now, we realize that if you read the rest of the story one day, 
all the Philistines, they gather in their, their arena, and they're like, hey, they're all drunk and, and just having a wild time. And he's like, hey, bring in, bring in the, the, that Israel, you know God's guy, that, that, the guy that used to be a man of God? Bring him in here, and he can entertain us. So they tie him up to these pillars, and they're like, and they're laughing, they're probably throwing things, they're mocking, and hey, man of God, hey, 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 can you, I mean, they're just, it's just a terrible thing. And he says, God, give me one more moment of strength. Oh, just one moment. And in one final second of his life, God returns his strength for just a minute. He pushes the pillars down and crushes all the Philistines. He killed more Philistines in his death than he had his entire life before that. Now we're like, you know what? That's kind of a neat story in one regard, but it also breaks my heart that the man of God had to go down like that with all of the enemy because that wasn't God's plan for his life. If he had just listened to mama, if he had just listened to daddy. And so what am I saying? Most of my series has been telling all of us parents how to live it, but I'm going to say to some of our young people today, our teenagers and whatnot, that, hey, listen to your parents. They're not as stupid as you think. <laughs> I know. You're like, yeah, that worked in the 90s. <laughs> you know, my kids watch all these 90s videos all the time. I'm like, it wasn't that long ago, okay? All right? It, it, and it was really cool. We had Animaniacs. We had all sorts of great cartoons. It was great. We invented the Choco Taco. Okay, us 90s people did some great things. We got some things under, We, you know, it wasn't that long ago. But at the same time, you know, all, all this stuff. But, hey. If you've got a godly mom and dad, they are not stupid. They know a thing or two because they've seen a thing or two. And it would behoove you to listen to what they're saying. You don't have to agree with all of it, but to listen to mom and dad, it could bail you out of a whole lot of trouble, and you could avoid a lot before it ever even gets to you. Single people, I know you're here. I know, well, you're here. Uh, <laughs> and if you see red flags or warning signs all over somebody you're interested in, you may just want to consider what those are, okay? I'm not ever, I'm not telling you to not, you know, I'm just telling you, hey, if there are warning flags, hey, this guy's a creeper, you know, whatever it is, listen to those, and you may, it's at least worth, and if somebody in your life, if your pastor or your godly friends or your godly family is like, you know, I, I just see a little bit, I, get, I get, feel a little bit weird. It's worth listening to them at least, okay? I'm just going to present that for your consideration and move on because you're staring at me like I just stole a toy from you. Okay, uh, I didn't take it. I didn't take it from you, all right? That's between you and God. Number three, and this is the main thing right here, ways the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Number three, through our spirit. Through our spirit. Uh, you know, the world would say, well, our conscience, yeah, as, as a Christian, uh, our conscience, our spirit, our heart, I'm good with that. Um, but you need to know that the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. And it's vitally important as an end times Christian that we learn to listen to the voice of God speaking to our hearts. Now, most of the time when God's speaking to our heart, it, it's, uh, um, well, let's just flip to this passage here. I've read this a lot lately, so some of you have heard this, some of you haven't. Let's go to 1 Kings 19. Can we do that? 1 Kings 19. Are you getting anything today? I hope we're helping you. First Kings 19, and we're going to look at verses 11 through 12. And so you need to know that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to your heart. 
Now, sometimes somebody will say, well, I've never heard God speak to me. Well, you probably haven't heard the audible voice of God boom out of heaven, all right? And I, I did a whole message on this a couple of Sunday nights ago. But um, chances are you could hear that. I mean, it, it, you could. But most of the time, that's not the way that God's going to speak to you. And I dare say, if it gets to the place where the voice of God has to bellow out of heaven, it's probably he's tried to get your attention a few other times, right? I'm not a yeller, but my kids can push me to that point. And when I get there, that was never my first time trying to get their attention. He was like, man, pick your underwear up off the floor, okay? Just do it. Hey, bud, go get, you know, go pick it up. The clothes hamper's right there. You, you missed it. I mean, you, you carried it all the way and just dropped it right there. You can do this. I believe in you. You got so much potential. Put it in there. All right? Put it in there. You got this. All right? But if it gets to the point, you know, where you're Saul of Tarsus and God has to knock you on your butt and yell at you from heaven, it's probably really extreme at that point. I would prefer God not have to do that to me. I'd prefer God to speak to my heart and say, hey, don't do that. Okay. Gotcha. That's all you need to say. I don't need knocked out. I don't need blinded. I just, I got this. Okay. So first Kings 19 verses 11 and 12. And what we're looking at here is the prophet. And he was in a position where he needed to hear from God. And so he goes on the mountaintop and, uh, and he's expecting to hear from God. And I know a lot of times, Hey, we're, we're in a place where we go to the mountaintop and we're expecting to hear from God. And so we've got Elijah right here. And so the Lord says to him, verse 11, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And sometimes we're looking for a great big sign and, and we're like, oh man. And so sometimes a great big thing will happen. We're like, that must be God. If you're not sensitive to the spirit, you will think some things are God when they're not. And so here we have certainly, wow, that tore rocks. That had to be God. Woo. But the Lord, no, no, the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. Oh, this has got to be God. But the Lord was not in the fire. But check it out. And after the fire, a still, small voice. The NLT says, a gentle whisper. And I can say in my life, the majority of the time that the Lord has spoken to me, it was just in my heart. I just knew it. I just felt it. It was just a still, small voice. It was just a gentle whisper of the Lord saying, hey, don't go there. Don't do that. Stay away from them. And somebody say, well, no, if God was going to get me, it'd definitely be through fire. If God was going to get my attention, it'd be an earth shaking earthquake and woo. Hmm, I, I don't know that, but right here with the prophet that was used to hearing from God all the time, it was the still small voice. And so what I am bringing it into today is this. You need to become familiar with hearing God's voice this way, where he can speak softly to your heart. I've heard so many stories of, of someone, maybe they're getting ready to go home from work and they just feel on the inside, don't go the normal way, go the other route. I know it's longer, just take my word for it, just go that way. And if you're smart, you'll say, okay, you know what, I got five extra minutes. I'll, and, and then you find out there was some crazy wreck or something like that, and you listened to the voice of God. 
or maybe, you know, God's saying, hey, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And if we listen, I'm going to tell you parents this today. We're almost done, but, but parents, if God's telling you something in your heart about your kid's safety or something at school or a relationship they're in, you need to listen. God put you in their life, okay? Now, when they get older, they, you know, their choices are on them. Samson was raised right, but he made a stupid decision that cost him everything. But I see so many other great guys in the Bible that were raised right, and they stuck with it. Uh, Proverbs says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. That's what I confess over my kids. I don't want a bunch of Samson kids. I want kids that do not depart from it. Amen? And so, parents, if God's speaking something to your heart, well, that don't make no sense. I, just listen. It's more important than it's ever been before. I've seen some of the stuff they're teaching our kids at school. I've seen some of the people that are trying to get access to our children. And I am just telling you right now, we can avoid a whole lot of stuff if we would listen to the still, small voice on the inside of us, if we would listen to his word, if we would begin to raise them in the ways of God, it could change everything. And so I'm bringing it all in today for this. Hey, has the Lord been waving some flags in front of you and saying, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, hey, stop, 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 slow down, don't do it. Has he been doing that in something in your life? Today has been a checkup for you to say, you know what? I know this was confirmation of what God's already been saying to me. I better listen or whatever your case is. But today is a day for you to be reminded that you are responsible for listening to the voice of God. He'll give you the signs. He'll give you the warning flags. But you have to make the choice on whether you're just going to barrel on through or if you're going to say, you know what? Not today. We're not doing that right now. Amen. Let's stand up together today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to have my prayer team come on up. Praise the Lord. But isn't God good that he would warn us of things that even as John 16, 13 said, he would even tell us things about our future before it even happens? Man, we serve a gracious and merciful and loving God that he would do all of this for us. We've got a GPS to get us through life, but you've got to use it. It doesn't just magically happen. Amen. Well, if you're here and, and first of all, if you're here and you don't have the right relationship with Jesus, maybe you did at one point, but you walked away. He didn't leave you. Let's get real. You kind of left him. We can fix that today. We can pray with you right now and get your relationship where it needs to be with Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you've just flat out never really, I don't do the God thing. Well, hey, you better make a decision. Choose today who you're going to serve. If you're going to make that choice today, we want to pray with you. I'm going to ask you to come up so we can pray with you. And, you know, some people are like, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm sorry. I don't believe in that stuff. Jesus said, if you deny me in front of men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. If you will acknowledge me in front of people, I'll acknowledge you before the Father in heaven. There has to be a point in time where you were not ashamed of Jesus and you stood up and said, you know what? I believe in this. And, yes, I'm giving my life to him. And if they don't like it, they can get over it. But come on. Don't be like that. Shoot your pride down and get 
get real, all right? So if you need Jesus and you know it, we're going to pray with you. You're going to come up here. We're going to pray with you. Uh, but if you need prayer for anything, if you need healing, if you need prayer for your job, your finances, your marriage, whatever, your dog, I'll pray for it, man. But check it out. You're going to come up here and we're going to lay hands on you today. And we're going to see God do a work in your life. Amen. So Josh, go ahead and lead us in worship. If you need prayer, let's go. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness have led me through the fire in darkest nights. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness. led me through the fire in darkest nights and you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived in the goodness of God my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I 
God. Well, who had a good time today? Yes, Lord. Amen. Well, hey, you remember what was taught today out of yeah, out of over the offering, over the, the communion, and through the word here a minute ago, that if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your hearts and pumping the brakes on you, it's time to listen. Do not push through that. Amen. You don't want to find out why uh, he's trying to get you to stop. Amen. So take that and uh, and uh, use it in your life. All right. Well, we got service tonight at six o'clock. Prayer at five thirty. Come on out. It's going to be another home. five 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 okay. five o'clock. It's going to be a home run night. It's going to be awesome. And uh, parents, we're getting this parenting class started up beginning in March. I highly encourage you uh, to come and get signed up for that. I will have a sign up sheet out this coming week so you can get uh, get together on that. Amen. All right. Let's raise our hands and we're going to pray over you. 
And then we're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for every person here. Lord, every family, every child, every marriage. And Lord, I say in the name of Jesus that the blessing of the Lord is upon us. In Jesus' name, Lord, these families are healthy. Lord, we rebuke sickness and COVID and anything else from trying to come in and mess with these people. They are healed. I thank you that our finances are blessed in the name of Jesus, our marriages. And Lord, there's just the peace of God, Lord, in our homes. Our homes aren't a place of chaos and anxiety and stress. Our homes are full of the peace of God and the joy of the Lord. They are a sanctuary of the presence of God every day, Lord. Thank you for that. And Lord, use us this week to spread the word of God and the light of God in everywhere we go. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen? All right, let's speak some words of faith over Barstow today. Let's do this. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go.